So we're going to go ahead and um, continue this morning in this uh, series. Um, we've been talking about the expect, experience of Christmas, right? The sights, sounds, uh, smells, tastes, and touches of Christmas. And we've kind of been trying to create a mental image, I guess, of what it looks like to usually experience Christmas. For most of us, these things are actually formed when we're children, how we experience Christmas. So if you were a child and you had great Christmas experiences, you probably remember those, even as an adult when you grow old. And, and then uh, some, some people don't have great experiences when they were children. They don't really have those, you know, to, to call back to. But all of these things, and, and there's something that we can't miss in the gospel of Jesus, and it's this, that he was, he was real, present, uh, touchable, smellable, you know, like Jesus was present with his people, this incarnational ministry of Christ. There are many religions that might proclaim a God out there somewhere, um, a God that you, you just, you know, you, you don't experience directly. Um, but we believe in a God who is active, present, speaking. As a matter of fact, God says it of himself in Scripture, I'm the God who speaks, the God who's with you, Emmanuel, as we sang last week, God with us. And so we can't miss that um, this time of year, that all these experiences of Christmas are um, a blessing and an opportunity to proclaim Jesus' coming. Uh, I just wanted to really sit on that for a minute and think about, about that. Uh, we've been talking about maybe the, um, <clears throat> the ways that we, the last two weeks about how we would look uh, like Jesus, not just appear to, but look at the world the way Jesus sees the world. And then um, last week, and I was so bummed, so bummed to miss family group because I had a double book thing. But I heard we had great conversation in our family group about what it means to listen to one another, what it means to share the gospel, um, how we do that conversationally, but not manipulatively. I mean, we don't, we're not trying to trick people into becoming believers in Jesus. We're trying to proclaim the good news to all the earth, which is that God came in the form of, of his son, Jesus, to save us from our sin. And we ought to be able to share that with others in a very normal way because that's part of our lives. And so I just heard some great reports about our family group and I uh, was bummed that I couldn't make it myself. I don't know if you're in a family group. I know Mike said that they're sabbatical or, sab you know, taking a break for Christmas, uh, many of our groups. But uh, in, in the spring, if you're looking to get in a family group, I would encourage you so much to get involved in family group because it's an opportunity to just to disciple one another and to take... Uh, this stuff from Sunday morning into your everyday lives, man, the real places you live and breathe and, and uh, struggle and celebrate. Um, it's just such an opportunity to just be in genuine relationship together, so I can, can encourage you enough to do that. I'm going to read um, from the psalm this morning, Psalm 126, I believe, here are my notes. Yeah, Psalm 126, it's um, a song of ascents where it says this, when the Lord came back the captives, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. It's just a, again, poetic language from the Psalms this morning about this experience of suffering, but of celebration of a harvest that God is bringing forth among his people. Um, I'm going to ask you to do what we always do at Family Bible Church and to pray as we enter into God's word that he would speak to us. We really want and 
we want you to be attuned to what God is doing in your life and be listening and obeying him every day, wherever you are. And so pray with me as we ask for his inspiration. Father God, we thank you so much for your son's coming. We thank you for who you are. We just worship you because you are worthy to be worshiped. We, we don't need a reason. You don't have to do anything for us. You just, you rightly deserve our praise. The breath you breathe into our lungs, we can proclaim your son's glory and your salvation to the nations. Father, today as we come into your house to know you better, to know ourselves better, and to let you transform and shape our lives, I pray that we would be open to your Holy Spirit's leading. Father, we ask for wisdom. We ask for insight. We ask for your teaching for us today. And and for all of us gathered here, as much as we are able in our sin-filled state, that we would take off the preconceived thoughts and notions and the junk that, that, that was built up over the years that you would break through in a powerful way in our lives and that we could follow you this Christmas season, that we would really be obedient and com- just compliant and worshipful and just celebrating Jesus' coming. May you be glorified as we enter into your word today. Would you teach us from it? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is, this is the funniest week because we're talking about smell and uh, I don't know if we often associate smelling with Jesus, you know. Uh, I think about, it's, it's really funny, actually, I was looking into some things about um, smell, and uh, it's actually tied to experience, which is striking to me. Um, they've done many studies, and I told you about, like, how when, you know, your earlier Christmases, you remember them when you grow um, up, you get older, but specifically scents uh, drive uh, connects us to uh, emotional experiences. I don't know if you were like me. One of the things that I always think about when I think about the smells of Christmas is grandma's house. I don't know if you guys had a grandma's house that smelled awesome when you went there, but um, many of us did, and it probably didn't smell like my grandma's house, right? But it was, and it's tied, and I always thought, man, what is it, Lord, that, that just makes, makes us so excited when we smell that smell. As a matter of fact, it's funny because um, I was talking in our own family about this, and I don't know if you know that your family has a smell. Some of you know. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about new parents here, by the way. You know, right? I remember those diaper pale things. Oh, they smelled so bad. But there's this thing, there's this chemistry that, that happens in our homes and that we usually are kind of oblivious. What's that commercial? They have like nose blind. You know what I mean? We don't smell it anymore, but people who come to our house, they do, they do experience that, you know. Uh, and, um, but we have these things and they're tied to our experiences in that home. I, if you notice it when you move out because once in a while you'll catch a whiff of your parents' house. And again, if it's had a good experience, you'd be like, oh, I, I just... This kind of smells like mom and dad's place. And if you didn't, you're like, oh, that smells like mom and dad's place. You know, I don't want to smell like my mom and dad. You want your own, your own scent. It's an odd thing to think about smelling um, like Jesus, which we're going to talk about today, um, as we enter into Christmas. I tried to do something this morning with the candles. I don't know if you noticed them, but I put them out. Maybe some of you don't like scents. And they, in this room, they get lost, you know. But what do we do to create these environments that are welcoming and pleasant? Thinking about um, the things that smell good this time of year, like cookies, especially like sugar cookies that are iced. You know, they smell different. Uh, uh, thinking about um, food, of course, turkey and ham, 
uh, thinking about getting a new bottle of perfume or cologne, you know, uh, for Christmas. That's always a nice hint, by the way, from a loved one that you need to smell a little better. We got you something. Try it. <laughs> Try using it once in a while. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe it's uh, this pine needles or, you know, the crisp snap of a cold air. You know, isn't that funny that even cold air smells like something to us? I mean, it's just cold air. What could it smell like? But you smell that, especially in the wintertime. I always, I always think this time of year about mountains and how the mountains smell. Um, maybe coffee with cream, uh, something like that. But I told you a minute ago that one of the things that we do traditionally that our family does is we go around and we visit nursing homes. So, so one of the, one of the, this is really weird, but one of the smells for us on Christmas has become the smell of a nursing home, which sometimes isn't all that pleasant. I remember the first time I went around and I was singing, I remember I, remember I walked into one particular, and it, it did not smell good at all. And I remember as I sang songs about the coming of Jesus, and I walked around and I was kind of repulsed by the smell. And I was kind of repulsed that people had to live here. I'm not being honored, but you know, I mean, I really, it made me kind of sick. And I remember as I walked around singing songs of Emmanuel, God with us, his holy advent, his beautiful baby born in a manger, I started to weep. When I saw the conditions, when I smelled, but the funny thing about it is, now I know when I go, it's going to smell that way sometimes. And it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't there too, being proclaimed, being believed. What does it smell like? I say that because some of you maybe have had the experience of spending Christmas in an ER, Christmas in ICU, Christmas in a nursing care facility, talking to someone who doesn't remember you. That's not something we will, I don't want my Christmas to smell like that. We try to dress it up like everything else with lights. We try to make it smell better. But sometimes Christmas can smell like sickness or death. Hmm. I wonder what smell you um, will fill your home this Christmas or what smell will fill. Here's the important incarnational ministry what smell will fill your nose this season where will you stick your nose in proclaiming jesus is coming this year this idea that we can um, experience uh, things uh, so profoundly in jesus christ um, I, I i told you that uh, these things are all tied i want to i want to tied to our emotional experiences. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a claim today. And I'm gonna, we're going to ask a question in a minute about this, but I'm going to make a claim today that you're going to be able to reorient your nose toward the things of God. And if you're listening to his Holy Spirit, if you're in tune to what he's doing in the world, you can actually relearn, relearn what good things smell like. Um, Annette uh, read this great passage from 1 Thessalonians today, 1 Thessalonians 5, um, and I'm just going to talk through it for a minute. Paul says this, and, and we can't miss the words. He says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is what? God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
And, and we can read that passage and we can say, give, give joy, um, be joyful in the good times, right? Uh, pray when things are hard. Give thanks when things are going your way because that's God's will. But that's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say conditionally respond to the gospel. He says be joyful always. That means when things are going great and when they're not going great. We can celebrate what God is doing. Pray continually Pray when things are going awesome. And I say that because for me, and I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to pray mostly when things are going wrong. When, when things aren't going right, I finally get on my knees and I say, God, what, what am I doing? You know, where, where are we going here? But when things are going great, I'm too busy walking around bragging about what's happening to get on my knees and pray. God, thank you for the awesome things. Show me where we're going next, even when I'm succeeding giving thanks in all circumstances, redeeming those uh, places that we would dare to call unholy, that we would say, well, this isn't what Christmas is about. This isn't what the gospel is about. Ask God to redeem those spaces in your life. I know some of you avoid hard things. I know some of you think this time of year, I don't want to deal with that. That's, that's not what Christmas is about. Paul says, that's exactly what Christmas is about. Why? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You would always be joyful, always be praying, always be thankful for what God has. Look at 19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Love, and I love the benediction. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has called you is faithful, and he will do it. And we, we celebrate the reality of Jesus. What will your Christmas smell like this year? I told you I believe we should reorient our smell toward the things that God calls good. And I want to um, now read from Isaiah, which is what Mike opened with today. Um, Isaiah, and I, we talked, it's so awesome the way God lined this up, that we talked about Isaiah and the call uh, in Isaiah's life as a prophet to talk about the coming Messiah a few weeks ago. But Isaiah gets to proclaim so many great um, testimonies about the coming Messiah. And we're going to read one from um, 61. We're just going to talk through this. This is uh, the, the scroll that Jesus unrolls when he proclaims what he's here for. He, he unrolls this scroll and proclaims it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, Jesus says, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim freedom for captives and a release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance from our God. Jesus was sent into the world to do this work. And, and as we think about these things, I want to just kind of unpack it for a minute and think about, you know, we know that, you know, this, this proclaiming of the Lord's favor, but I want to kind of walk through some reality because I think we put, and again, I don't know if you caught this article I wrote for the paper, but there's this thing, we put Jesus in this other category, you know, as if he wasn't fully human. He's fully human in his incarnation, right, with everything that that included. And, uh, I, I love because if you listen to the kind of work, he says, I, I was sent to preach good news to the poor. I don't know how many, how many people, and I'm talking about, you know, uh, 
financial poverty. I know it's spiritual poverty as well, but it stinks just as bad. I don't know how many people who are fiscally poor, financially poor, can afford really nice perfume, who, who can put a, you know, oil on their face, who can, who can dress themselves up to receive a king. But when Jesus says why he came, he says, I, didn't, I came to proclaim good news to those who can do nothing to prepare for something as great as this. To preach good news to the poor, he says. Listen, binding up the brokenhearted. Binding up. That's why Jesus came. And I, sometimes I sit with people and they say, my, my, and I, this, but I mean, so, sometimes they say, my, my life's a mess. Oh, I don't, I don't want to dump this on you. I don't, I don't want you to see these things. And I do the same thing, man. I, I go to a few people that, and I just say, this is ugly, it, uh, you know, and I just kind of let some stuff out of my heart that's so gross. And you feel like, man, how can I do this in front of God, perfect Jesus, son of God, you know what I mean? died for my sins and I'm still so gross. There's all this junk in my life. Then you hear what he says. He says, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. Well, what does that smell like when your heart breaks? Do you know what I mean? Like in the middle of it, it's a mess. It's unpleasant stuff. And Jesus says, I came to be right in the middle of that stuff. I hope, I hope in our lives that we don't regulate Jesus to the sideline of the good stuff and try to, you know, kind of hide all the bad stuff from Jesus. Because if I can keep it secret long enough, then, then maybe, you know, somehow I'll be okay. But that we believe what he says. That he came to bind up those of us who are brokenhearted, who, who are failing, who have failed. And he says, this is why I've come, to be part of that mess. To proclaim captive, freedom to the captives. And again, I've I just been thinking about this and the idea of sense, of smells. You know, that's just the way I'm reading it. It's not there necessarily. But what does it smell like when you put someone in jail a long time? They don't, you know, not usually pleasant, especially in these times. It's not like you were getting three square meals a day. No, he came to proclaim freedom for captives, the release of darkness, the release from darkness for the prisoners. And, and I love this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is this idea of releasing people from their obligations. Right? To set people free. That's the scroll that Jesus enrolled in the temple. And then he directly applied it to his own coming. This is why Jesus came. Picking up then in verse 8 of Isaiah 61, if you're reading with us, it says, because I, the Lord, love justice and I hate robbery and iniquity and my faithfulness, I'll reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. That's a promise from God to us. Their descendants will be among the nations and their offspring among the peoples and all who see them will acknowledge that these people have been blessed by the Lord. That's about us. And then, he, but here's my favorite thing in verse 10, right? So I was talking about all this stinkiness and all this grossness, of, you know what I mean? And, and letting Jesus into those areas of our lives. And, and then, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, and then going into those areas of lives with one another and, and, you know, being willing to experience that for the sake of the gospel. I would kind of say hold your nose, but I would not encourage you to miss the experience of the miracle of Christ. It's not about tolerating it until it goes away. Verse 10 says this, I delight greatly in the Lord. 
my soul rejoices in my God because he's our Savior. We celebrate. Listen, why do we celebrate? Because he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. That's like the exact opposite of this. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. This beautiful outpouring of his love and grace for us. See, this is kind of the scandal of the gospel. <laughs> and this is why it's a scandalous when we experience the gospel. It's a scandalous when we remember the gospel. And it's scandalous when we proclaim the gospel. Because it's not about you smelling or being good enough for God. It's about God coming into our lives in a way that we don't deserve. And, and blessing us. And dressing us. And anointing us. And pouring his favor on us. And making a stinky mess smell beautiful. He bestows on us a crown of beauty instead of all the things that we deserve. And then it ends this way. Because as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before the nations. He will draw this from us. Beautiful. I mean, and I, I don't know if I'm connecting that well for you this morning, but I, I, I just know, I see it, and you, and you experience it when you enter into ministry with Jesus. There's this crazy thing that happens when you follow Jesus where you do begin to get in, and I'm not get into people's lives. My life, you get into my life. Some of you guys have gotten my life in ways. You're like, man, that's crazy in there, you know? There's something that's beautiful that happens in there. And I'll tell you a quick story that always reminds me of this. Um, I remember whenever I was uh, new, believing in Jesus, and I was just going, and I was so excited to see the family of God for the first time with my own eyes. And I don't mean to be, like, to be included was crazy, you know, and I was uncomfortable with that. But when I would speak the language, and I would listen, and I cared, man, a new heart from Christ that cared for people. And I remember I went one time, and I was talking, and I, I began to very quickly experience things that were gross. You know what I mean? Like stuff that you would not you wouldn't, we pay people to deal with it, <laughs> and, and, you know, they, and they don't even want to deal with it. You know what I mean? Just bad situations, uh, intimacy with people, people who say, come here, I need you for a minute, and they start to talk, and, and it just smells bad. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but you know what I mean? And I remember being so repulsed in these conversations, and that people would, come here, I want a hug from you, and, and you, you would, I would just be like, ah, you know, and everything, all my training and all my childhood of, you know, wash your hands before, and all this stuff, and you're just like, it's, it was so overwhelming. It was like sensory overload, and I began the crowd. I'm like, God, this can't be what it's about. And, and, and in this moment, and I'm telling you this because this changes things for us. In this moment, God says it's holy. I call it the breath of the saints. At the time, it was ministry to elderly people, but it's, it smelled bad sometimes, but then you realize it's holy work. It's an entering in. It's saying that the gospel is different than being about everything that smells good all the time. That we would bind up the brokenhearted, that we would love the unlovable, that we would enter in 
the places. And we would even, they'll listen, begin to smell like one another. I had this experience, and I remember, I remember early on, it was my youth ministry with um, my brother, Duke Hampsh, and we were talking to these kids at camp. I remember so clearly that day talking to these kids and saying, what if that's what ministry smells like to you? What if it's the stuff that you don't want to deal with? God calls us in. He says, come here. Come here. Come closer to me. Holy breath. People who need Jesus. And I'm not saying that way like they don't believe in Jesus. They need the love of Jesus. you know what I mean? They need someone to care. They need someone to stop, you know, and get involved. Um, we delight in the Lord then because of these things. We celebrate his good news. The question then is, will you smell like Jesus? And you might think, again, man, this is craziness. What are you talking about, right? Um, uh, I want to read from the Gospel of, of John, and I'm just going to read a few verses, and we're going to talk about John kind of over in a you know, bigger picture kind of a way. But um, John 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6 says this, There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man that is coming into the world. And then I'm going to pick up again in verse 19. Uh, now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He said, no. Finally they said, who are you? Then give us an answer so we can go back to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice who's calling in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And this is John's response. I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, and he is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And all these things happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So th that's our, this idea of John and what he's doing out there. But you remember that John, John was this kind of, I always envisioned, and I wish I could really see, you know what I mean? But, you know, he dressed in, what is it, camel hair, right? He ate wild locusts and honey. He's kind of living off the land, you know. He's like Bear Grill or whatever, you know. He's like, he's like out there surviving, you know. I, I can imagine he had an unkept beard. He probably kept food in it, you know, for later. Uh, he probably looked a bit like a maniac out there, and he was proclaiming, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. He was probably a stinking mess. But isn't it interesting that the guy who's a stinking mess is standing in the Jordan River and he's baptizing people? Oh, by the way, there's this really cool resource um, out there that I just happened to run across. Uh, it's called um, The Gospel of John, King James Version. Um, and it's actually a two-and-a-half-hour movie of the entire Gospel of John. If you, if you have Netflix, you can check that out. I mean, it's unreal. It's like, 
you know, I know there's a lot of movies about Jesus made lately, and not all of them are great. <laughs> um, but this is like just the text, and it's so beautiful. But th- this is, there's an image in that thing of, of him receiving disciple or, um, you know, repentant sinners and baptizing them in the Jordan River. It gives you some kind of idea of what that may have looked like. What's John doing? He's washing people. He's cleansing people. He's proclaiming a coming righteousness. That's interesting to me, that this guy who most would say he's not worth following, look at him, he's a mess. He don't have holy clothes on. He's not even eating city food. He's eating in the wilderness, you know. This is the guy. But what's more interesting than that, and I, I, I want to just spend a second here, is that when John talks, we said a couple weeks ago, John says, I'm not the Christ, but there's one who's coming who is the Christ. He always points to Jesus. And I'm telling you, when we enter in, it, it, you know, those places that are, that are holy, but that smell bad, that are, that are not, not a normal you know, route or whatever, that we are, our job is not then to proclaim ourselves, but just like John, to point to Jesus. And interestingly enough, this is what John says about Jesus. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. Now, that's kind of a weird thing, and I don't know if you ever think about that. Like, why would that be in the Bible? Why would they say, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes? But if you think about this process of what John's doing, he's calling for righteousness. He's calling for people to get, get ready for Jesus, to, to, um, to be, you know, washed in the Jordan River. And yet, when he says, when Jesus comes, he, he's going to be so clean that I'm not going to even be able to untie his shoes. You remember the idea of washing people's feet? I mean, there has to be a connection here, right? It was like you were traveling these dirty roads, and you had to, at least maybe I could wash Jesus' feet when he shows up. And, and John's like, no, not even that. There's this, God is coming, and he's so pure and so holy, and he's going to wash you clean. I baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit, cleansing us from our sin. Praise God. John himself is just getting people, dipping people in water. But Jesus comes and he, he drenches us in the spirit. And just like Isaiah the prophet said today, he, he adorns us with his righteousness. I, I, ho- I hope you see that. And, and so when we go into those places and we point, we say, man, we're pointing back to Jesus. I want to share two verses of scripture with you and then we're going to close here. Uh, we're going to finish this uh, portion of our worship. Well, we'll see what God does, but... Um, and the first is, let me see here, um, 2 Corinthians 2. Um, this is uh, thanks to my brother Mike who brought these things to my attention, and, and it's beautiful because it says, what, what are we to smell like? Am I, am I just talking out of my head here this morning about this, what we're called to go into these places um, and smell like Jesus? Um, chapter 2, verse 14 says this, uh, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. That God leads us forward and we spread the smell of Jesus. Which is why when we dare to enter into those spaces that we think, man, look, at it, I'm doing so good because this is so sneaky and I'm here, that when people look up and they see it and they go, wow, then that moment, it's not you, it's Christ. It's the smell of Christ that's so appealing that we ought not, listen, that we spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. Verse 15, because we are to God 
the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We still smell like Jesus if we believe him. We still smell like Jesus if we are led by his spirit, if we're obedient, compliant, willing. If we enter in, and that means in the moment, you know, when someone's like, I'm so glad you're here, you're not like, yeah, I did good, didn't I? <laughs> you know? You're like, yeah, Jesus did good, didn't he? Isn't Jesus awesome? I love that. I love that idea. Smelling like the fragrance of Christ among those who believe. You hear that? And those who are perishing. You still smell like Jesus to them. And we have the opportunity to do the same, the same thing. Last passage from 5, Ephesians 5, verse 2, because this is all rooted not in us and not in our own behavior. You see, I told you the story about transformation from the gospel, not a, a decision that I made to, to be righteous, to be saved, but that God saved me and he saved you with his Holy Spirit. But what he's doing and the work that he does is in Christ. And look at what it says of our Savior, of this baby Jesus. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what anoints our head. That's what covers us, is Jesus' own righteousness on our behalf. His beauty, his majesty, the aroma of Christ poured out on sinners like you and me. Man, that is such good news. And that is where we, what will we proclaim to the nations? God loves us. Um, so I'm going to ask a couple questions. And here, here they are. And, you know, the, uh, a funny question, but does your life stink today? <laughs> you know, does it stink in here? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I had a chance, I'll tell I had a chance to um, go to Vespers Thursday night at Greenville College, and I kid you not, we gathered up for prayer, and someone farted in the prayer circle. <laughs> and I always say that to go, like, that's not the moment you ever want to pass gas, is when you trickle up for prayer, you know? And yet, what better place to be how you are? That's a true story. I'm not make, I can't make that stuff up. Empathy. I'm not making fun of nobody. Can you imagine if you went and passed gas in the prayer circle? Right? In the moment, you know, let's all pray to the Lord. And then you, oh, come on. And then you remember, wait a minute, it's not my stink, man. It's the aroma of Christ. It's a brother or sister. Now listen to me. Stay with me. It's a brother or sister who's willing to tolerate that. You know what I mean? And to be like, we're still family. You know what I'm saying? Um... Because why? Because we belong to Jesus. Today, do you need that cleansing of Christ in your life? Are you brokenhearted and needing to be bound up? I mean, listen to the word. He came to do that work. Are you in bondage and need to be set free from an addiction or something that's just got you twisted up inside? God came to set you free uh, from these things. And then, uh, will you smell like Jesus this Christmas? Will you smell like him. I hope that you will, and I hope that I will. Um, I hope we're willing to do that. 
man, I, I, it's great good news from Christ that we don't stink like ourselves, but we smell like Christ. And uh, I hope that you know that. I hope, I hope that you're, you sense the Holy Spirit's work in your life and you're being obedient. I hope that you're being challenged to proclaim the gospel of Jesus this Christmas. But no matter whether you are or you aren't, I just want you to know that this is, you know, God's with us on this. He's not going to quit. He says, my faithfulness will manifest all these things. I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning. If, if you, but if, if you are not, if you just feel this need, uh, just respond to God where you are. I mean, if, if there's something going on in your life, just be real right now with him and, you know, let it, let it be what it is and see what God does with it. Um, pray with me if you would. Father God, we just thank you so much for the chance that we have. And, and you, you know, uh, your table is so perfect and we come here and we just like, we're just dirty, messed up sinners and it does stink and we, we mess things up all the time and, uh, you know, sometimes that's funny and sometimes that ain't funny at all. I mean, we always feel like we're messing up your kingdom and yet we know that this kingdom is not about us but about you. Father God, we, we pray that for those who are here today that believe that they're too far from you, that they believe that their lives is too messed up, that there's too much ugliness or too much bitterness or too much brokenness or too much failure or whatever it is, that, that the gospel would break through and that your Holy Spirit would just proclaim in their innermost being the truth that your Son came to save the unrighteous, not the righteous. That your Son was sent here as a baby to proclaim good news to those of us who could afford nothing of ourselves. And then, Father, that we would receive that and apply that to our lives, that we would believe the gospel, that we would, we would know it more fully. And then, as the, your, your word says, as we go in the procession behind you, the proclamation of this coming king who is so worthy to be praised and glorified, that we would smell like you, that you, we would be obedient to your spirit, and we would put off the aroma of Christ in our lives. Would you do that work amongst your people? Wherever you send us, wherever we do, Father God, we, we be willing to comply and to believe good news this Christmas. We ask that you would do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.